Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Heirs of the World. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 4. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, help us today to believe not the lies and vain promises of men. Let God be true and all men liars. Help us to believe in the promises of God. God who cannot lie. God who is not a man that he should change his mind. God promises and he fulfills every promise. He promised, he fulfills. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household. Help us to believe that promise and be saved. Lord, open our hearts and minds. Deliver us from all distractions of the devil. Help us, O Lord, to let the word enter into our hearts. Your word is which is life. Your word which is hope and peace and joy. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 4, 13 through 17 speaks about the promise of God that we are heirs of the world, heirs of the world. St. Paul tells us in Romans 4, 13 through 17, he's telling us, rejoice, you saints of God, you are rich. You are heirs of the world. You are heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. Each believer in Jesus Christ has ownership of all the riches, the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, possesses. Not Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, or the sheikhs of the Middle East. No. The saints of God are blessed with all spiritual and material blessings in Jesus Christ and forever. So let us look at the context and let us exercise our mind, our reasoning powers. Paul established the truth that one is justified not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Then he sets forth another argument of the unbelieving Jews. They ask the question, what about circumcision? Was not Abraham justified by circumcision? And we dealt with that last time. Paul disproves this by the historical argument that Abraham was justified 14 years before 
he was circumcised. Therefore, his circumcision had nothing to do with his justification. The application to us is that we are not saved by any sacraments such as baptism. Saved are baptized. Baptized are not saved because is baptized. Then St. Paul anticipates another argument of the unbelieving Jews. And this time, the argument is, what about the Mosaic law that tells us how to live? The law that makes demands upon our conduct. Let me tell you something. Unbelief never shuts up. It's always coming up with another argument not to believe in Jesus Christ. Have you noticed some children, father tells the child to do something. He does not want to do that. He does not like to do that. And he wants fun. He is an American kid. He wants to play. So the child comes up with many arguments designed to delay, deny, or entirely alter what the father has said. And he says, I will study later. Why should I study now? Why should I study at all? Nathan, my friend, does not study at all. His father lets him play all he wants and so on. And he also says examination should be abolished. Pass and fail is a torture. Let us pass everybody. Even so, St. Paul now takes up the argument of the law. So we want to deal with four things. The law, the promise, the grace and faith, and finally the God of promise. That is the character of God. The promise came to Abraham and to his seed not through Dianomu, not through the law. Some rabbis maintained that long before the law was given, Abraham already had a thorough knowledge of it and obeyed it in all its details. They just made it up. You go and read Jewish writings, it's all made up. You read it, they, they missed the bullseye of the Messiah. And they made it up, all these things. False. In other words, these rabbis maintained that Abraham was justified by keeping the law and not by grace through faith. Again, Paul uses historical argument in, in Galatians. Historical argument is against this thesis. Abraham was justified, Paul argues, in Galatians by not keeping the Mosaic law because the Mosaic law came 430 years after the promise was given to Abraham. Galatians 3.17. 
Salvation by keeping the law was an utter misunderstanding of the Jewish people in terms of God's salvation. There is one God, there is one people, and there is one plan of salvation that is by faith in God's promise. We previously dealt with the law and the purpose of the law. Romans 3.20, through the law we come to no sin. Romans 5.20, the law only increases our sin. Romans 7.13, the law produces death in us indirectly. Romans 4.15, the law produces wrath, that is the wrath of God. Romans 8.3, the law is powerless to save us. Galatians 3.10, all who rely on the law to save, they are under a curse. James 2.10, if you rely on the law for your salvation, you must obey all God's law all the time perfectly. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Romans 6.23, all are under the sentence of death, which is the wages of sin. Galatians 3.21, it says the law was never given that it may impart life to a sinner. It was never God's purpose. Galatians 3.24, the law was given not to save us, but to show our impotence that we may be led to Jesus Christ who is able to save us. Galatians 2.21 If anyone relies on law-keeping to become righteous, he negates and nullifies the gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Friends, man is ever trying for self-salvation. All religions, except Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, all religions, except Orthodox Christianity, teach self-salvation. Man is ever trying for self-salvation so that he can gain glory for himself. He can boast. Justification by grace through faith, we are told, excludes all boasting. Paul argues then it was not through the law the promise to Abraham and to all his seed was given. Number two, the promise what is this promise given to Abraham and to his seed, Jesus Christ, and all believers? In verse 13 of Romans 14, the promise is defined here. That Abraham and all his seed may become heir 
of the whole cosmos, the whole world, the whole creation, heaven and earth. And you could read Galatians 3.29 and Galatians 4.7 and Romans 8 verse 17. We are heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. Friends, the saints of God are truly rich. I feel sorry for people who run after these things. They are fools. They do not realize how rich they are in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. Spiritual blessing there means spirit given blessing. Not some ethereal something. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Sons, heirs, joined heirs with Christ. Heir of all creation. And Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, God appointed Christ heir of all things. And in Jesus Christ we are. Heirs of all things. Genesis chapter 22. Beginning with verse 17. Let us read. I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the gates of their enemies. That means cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, especially Jesus Christ, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Jesus Christ has defeated the devil, the God of this world, by his death on the cross. Remember how Jesus, the son of Abraham, refused to worship the devil who promised to give him all kingdoms of the world and their glory. Jesus refused. Through the way of obedience, through the way of the cross, all the world and all kingdoms now belong to Jesus. God exalted him. In the highest place, Jesus is Lord, whether you acknowledge it or not. Your faith in him or you are not believing in him makes no difference. He is Lord, sir. And God made him Lord. Every knee shall bow down to him. Every tongue shall confess him. Psalm 2 verse 7 and following. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me you are my son today. I have become your father. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. 
You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up at any moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He was speaking about Psalm 37, where that idea appears several times. And St. John tells us in Revelation 11, verse 15, and following the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. So then no more boasting about men, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, notice the whole world, or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? To Abraham, God promised worldwide dominion. It belongs to his seed, Jesus Christ, and in him worldwide dominion belongs to us, his saints. Friends, we are to rule the world. And we are to possess the cosmos, the entire creation. That's our destiny. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, 26 and 27. To him who overcomes and does my will... To the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from the Father. I will also give him the morning star, and so on. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of all. He is seated on the right hand of the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Young man, you may not believe it. Doesn't make any difference. Young woman, you may not believe it. Doesn't make any difference. He is king, he is lord. And he will deal with you ever so severely. For not coming to him by the way of faith. There is no other way. Yet his rule is invisible to the world at this time. So atheists like Richard Dawkins mock him and his saints. But soon shall he return to earth in all his glory and splendor to rule visibly on this earth with his saints. And at his coming all believers who died in Christ shall rise and all of us shall be transformed we all shall receive immortal, glorious bodies, and we shall reign with Christ here on earth. 
This is called the millennial reign of which the Bible speaks. Go home and read Revelation 21 through 6. Isaiah 65 verse 20. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. Psalm 72, 8 through 14. Zechariah 14, 5 through 17. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, 28 and so on. And let me read the book of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7 and verse 27. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. And the book of Matthew, chapter 25 and verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He will be king over all the earth and we will rule and reign with him. Satan will be fully bound during this time. Christ will rule all nations. They will be subject to David's greater son. Every tongue shall confess him as Lord. Every knee shall bow before him by force. This millennial reign will end in a final manifestation of unbelief and final demonstration of Christ's victorious power. Then shall take place the final judgment and eternal state shall be ushered in. A new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness, God dwelling with his people. The promise to Abraham was that he be the heir of the world and his seed. Christ is his seed. He is the heir of the world. In him we all are even now heir of the world. Our salvation is not small. It is full and complete salvation. Not merely forgiveness of sins. And justification by faith. That is for the purpose that we may be with him. Rule with him. Reign with him. Rejoice with him. And worship him. Number three. The way of grace through faith. This promise, this inheritance is not based on a law. But on faith alone. Law means your works. Your self-righteousness. Your merit. Your boasting. The principle of law negates grace, puts it out, negates faith and negates praise to our God. Salvation by law is ever opposed to salvation by grace through faith alone. Law divides, faith unites all people, Jew and Gentiles. Law empties faith, Paul tells us. Law nullifies God's promise of salvation. 
Law says you shall. Promise says I will. If one desires to be saved by law keeping, promise can never be fulfilled because it will be depending on you. By keeping law, no flesh can be saved. No one can be justified and become heir of the whole creation. We are told law produces wrath. There are two futures, two destinies for all the peoples of the world. Either you become heir of the world or you become subject to God's wrath. That means hell. Law produces wrath. It is sheer unbelief and arrogance that cause one to depend on law keeping for one's salvation. God's wrath is revealed against all such people. Such a people refuses to acknowledge they are sinners by nature and practice. They refuse to acknowledge they are impotent to keep the law. They are dead. The wages of sin is death. We are told already there is none righteousness, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who is good. Such people cannot go to heaven. Law guarantees God's wrath. And so hell. It's a guarantee. You depend on law. That's where you go. You depend on faith and grace. You go to heaven. You become heir of the world. Why? Sin is transgression of the law. So God must punish all sinners. So forsake all self-salvation by keeping the law. Run to Christ the Savior. Seek the way of faith. Trust in God. Grace gives. Faith receives. He who depends on law is cursed. Law imposes penalties for failure to keep it. Friends, salvation is not merit-based, but mercy-based. It is based on grace to be received by faith alone. In Luke 18, 9 through 14, there we see a Pharisee and a publican. And the principle of law and principle of grace are revealed in that story. The Pharisee doesn't need Jesus Christ. He doesn't need mercy. He doesn't need grace. He depends on his keeping of the law. That was also the case of St. Paul as we read in Philippians 3. Where he finally confesses all my righteousness is lost, it's dung, it's filthy rag, it's nothing, it cannot save me. Therefore, he went the way of grace through faith. The publican cried out and he said, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he went home justified, saved, became an heir of the world. So no salvation by keeping the law, sir. 
As long as you keep the law and depend on your merit and your good works and your circumcision and your baptism, one thing you can count on, the wrath of God shall abide upon you. Law keeping takes one to hell. All legalists go to hell. All antinomians too. They are all pretenders. They are all frauds. But we are told promises of faith. Salvation is of faith. Where law fails, faith succeeds. Away with all boasting of law, merit and works. Let us glory in grace and faith. A faith that is also God's gift to us. Grace, sir, is unmerited favor. We merited death and hell. Grace gives us life and heaven, which we receive by faith. Grace gives us a kingdom, a crown, and a throne, which we receive by faith. Grace overrides all our demerits and inadequacies and failures. We ask the question, why does Paul insist on grace and faith? Why does he vigorously oppose the law principle? A number of answers. Number one, the way of faith alone establishes grace. What grace gives freely, faith receives humbly. The free gift of the fullness of salvation cannot come to the arrogant, self-righteous, it comes only to the beggar who lifts up his hand of faith to receive in humility. Therefore, an, un an unbeliever cannot be saved, cannot become heir of the world. Number two, the way of faith alone. Friends, guarantees all glory to God. Salvation by works or sacraments or law promotes human boasting. Salvation by grace through faith promotes worship of God. Grace and faith exclude all human boasting. Number three, the way of faith and grace alone guarantees salvation to all God's elect. Jews and Gentiles, circumcised and uncircumcised, those of the law and those without the Mosaic law, we come to this salvation, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, irrespective of antecedents, Jews, Gentiles, Hindus, Muslims, Mormons, criminals, publicans, prostitutes, murderers, Pharisees, come, all ye sinners. Faith, grace removes all human distinctions. There is no difference. All are sinners and all are welcome to come to Jesus. Number four, the way of grace, faith guarantees full salvation to all God's elect. God chose this grace, faith way of salvation because to the degree any human merit is constitutive of our salvation. There cannot be any certainty of our salvation. So faith plus our works can only guarantee 
total anxiety and uncertainty, especially at the point of your death. The way to die is, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Salvation is all of God, all of grace, therefore all of faith. So we who believe in Jesus Christ, in his grace, enjoy, friends, full certainty of our salvation. We rely on nothing in ourselves and we depend on God for everything. Salvation from beginning to end depends on him. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He saved us. He is saving us and he will save us to the very end. And book of Romans chapter 8 and beginning with verse 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined he also called and those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified same group of people foreknown predestinated called justified glorified turn to the gospel of John chapter 10 beginning in the verse 28 I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand let the devil try let the demons try let you yourself try it's not going to happen my father who has given them to me is greater than all no one can snatch them out of my father's hand I and the father are one and finally Romans 8, beginning with verse 37, knowing all these things we are, sir, more than conquerors. That is total security. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death, oh, that's first, neither death. We live in fear of death. The unbelievers live in fear of death. And he puts it first. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers can snatch us out of the hand of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This assurance is for every believer. Be certain of your eternal salvation dear saints my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness this is the doctrine of great security and finally why should we believe the promise well the character of god 
Because our hope of final salvation, our hope of being the heir of the world, our hope of possessing and ruling the whole cosmos with Christ the King is based on God's character. First, he is reliable. People have lied to me all these years. Lie. And we read today's psalm that speaks about lies. God can be trusted. He is true. He cannot lie. He is not a man that he should change. What he promises, he fulfills. Every promise he fulfills. Read 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. God promised a Messiah in the fullness of time. Messiah came and accomplished our salvation by defeating the devil and his works. He was raised from the dead and he prophesied as he prophesied. He rules now on the right hand of God. Soon he shall come and we shall reign with him. On this earth is reliable. Number two, sir, he is able, sir. He is able. He gives life to the dead. Death does not confuse him. He is resurrection and life. He is the conqueror of death. He holds the keys of death and hell. He goes out conquering and to conquer. He gave life to the dying Abraham. He gave life to the dying Sarah. And beyond that, he raised Abraham's son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And he has already raised us spiritually. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but God raised us already up spiritually, and he shall raise up those died in Christ. Death is swallowed up in victory through Christ. Powerful Jesus. Not only that, he raises people from the dead, but he is the creator. He creates ex nihilo out of nothing. He calls into existence things that do not exist. God said, let there be light. And there was light, sir. Abraham did not exist. He called him into existence. Isaac did not exist. He called him into existence. We all are called into existence by God out of nothing. Yet we were dead in sins and trespasses. So he effectually called by the, us by the gospel. And we became believers in God. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God calls the church into existence and we live forever. We are invincible and indestructible. Abraham was given a promise. He saw God. He heard his promise. He trusted in him. Because... He raises the dead. And he calls into existence things that are not as though they are. Reliable and powerful God. He trusted in him and was justified by faith. He trusted in this God of glory. God who is reliable. God who is powerful. And we his seed, Jew and Gentile, trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We therefore surely inherit the promise. The fullness of salvation. We are heirs of the world. The whole cosmos in Jesus. 
We are blessed forever, sir. We have a kingdom, we have a crown, and we have a throne. Friends, we are rich. Heirs of God, joined heirs with Christ, we are. All God has is mine, and all Christ has is mine and yours. We are heirs of the Father. We are joined heirs with the Son. We are children of the kingdom. We are a family. We are one. Friends, two destinies. Fullness of salvation. King with Jesus. Heir to the cosmos. Or your destiny is wrath of God that leads us to hell itself. Don't depend on the law. Run to Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Be saved. Be enriched by every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us not to take the way of law the way of self-righteousness, the way of merit, the way of what we do. Help us, O Lord, to choose the way of grace, the way of faith. Help us to believe in God's promise because you are reliable and you are powerful and you fulfill what you promise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for saving us and making us heirs of God and joiners with Christ. And help us, therefore, not to be depressed and become miserable. Help us to know who we really are, that we may rejoice in God, our Savior, in whose name we You pray. have been Amen. listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, Heirs of the World. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.